Yeah, let's talk about the wonderful Brewers system that's as deep as it's ever been. Um, unfortunately, that's not the truth. It's been ranked universally awful this offseason. They have zero top 100 prospects across the board. Is the current state of the farm a result of graduating prospects or awful drafting? I mean, it's a little bit of of all. There's a variety of factors. I wrote a piece about this a few years ago. I forget what the team was. Might have been like the Marlins at the time. Like, how do you end up with the worst system in baseball? Like, how does that? What's sort of the confluence of events that cause that? And usually, it's a combination of things. It is graduations. Um, you know, Keston Hira, no longer a Brewers prospect, which is good. The idea of having Keston Hira is you get a good major leaguer out of it, and boy howdy, it looks like he's going to be a good major leaguer. Um, well, hopefully, Dakota's wrong, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's a lot of fight. Like, I, I don't, I don't agree with Dakota on Keston Hira. I understand. As much as my limited understanding of the current inner workings of Pakoda as a as a prospect guy, and I think I did okay in calculus my freshman year in college twenty years ago, um, and how how the practical applications there. But I understand why it's a little bit bearish on Keston here, because it's regressing. It's probably regressing quality of contact, but it's really good quality of contract. I don't think he'll strike out that much going forward either. But by all accounts. He's a good player. He's a good prospect. He's a good major leaguer. Beautiful. That's, you know, system down for the right reasons. Um, you know, they've signed a uh, qualifying offer free agents that have cost them high picks. They've, they have their own thing. And I'm sure we'll get into this when we talk about Ethan Small. Uh, you know, they view the draft a little bit differently than some other teams. And they've been good lately. So they've been drafting later, which is part of it as well. Um, and there's just some guys that haven't really. Uh, you know, broken out. You know, Corey Ray was a top five pick and his top five college pick, and we're still talking about him as a as a prospectless guy. You know, after the point you would have thought he would have graduated to the majors if things even went a little bit well. And of course, they traded a lot of things for Christian Yelich, which is fine because now you have Christian Yelich. So the Brewers' top prospect is uh, Bryce Terang. Uh, he's kind of a strange prospect in that he already does quite a bit well. But he also has no power. If Terang never really adds power to his game, can he be anything more than, say, a utility player at the major league level? I think so. Um, so he was in our next 10. So he was in consideration for the 101, ended up just missing. And if you look at sort of the shortstops in the 90s, uh, Andres Jimenez in the Mets system, uh, Brian Rocchio in the Indian system, I think Gerardo Perdomo in the Diamondbacks and Gabriel Arias in the Padres. I think that's all right. Once I finish with listies, I just shut the door and I forget <laughs> everything. But, you know, bro he's broadly similar to those to those player types. It's athletic. I don't want to say glove first and all, but good defensive shortstops, guys that are likely to stick, and have some feel for contact. None of them really project as big power guys. Um, you know, Arias has flashed it here and there. He also played in, in Lake Elsinore in the Cal League, so I don't know how real that is yet. Um, if you look at him, it's like, you know, it's a plus hit tool. He's a good runner, plays a good shortstop. You know, that's an everyday player. It's an above average everyday player. Is it an all-star? Probably not. Um, and there's some positive markers here. You know, he was, I think, 19 pretty much the entire season, uh, or 20 pretty much the entire season in... Uh, no, he was 19 the entire season. He's a November birthday. Yeah, 19. Is that So he's 19 the entire season in, you know, low A in Wisconsin. That's not a good league and park to hit in. And 
there wasn't a ton of power there. I don't expect anything more than maybe like 10-ish home runs, plus or minus uh, a few either way, depending on the season and depending on the physics of the Major League Baseball. I guess we have to throw that in there now, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was actually going to yeah. ask you about that because so I've seen some reports. I think uh, Fangraphs actually has him as 50 raw and then like 25 game, something like that in terms of power. <laughs> And I was wondering, this is more of a conceptual question. Like, how right. does that work? Like, can a player turn so, raw into game? And like, what are the chances he can do that? Right. So that's a good question. That's something, you know, I think broadly you struggle with because you see the guy at five o'clock, you see what he can do and you see him in games. And there's a lot of reasons why raw doesn't turn into game power. It could be all fields approach. It could be. You know, he, he'll flash it in batting practice, but he's very much hit over power, you know, contact oriented when he's facing live pitching. Um, it could just be swing plane stuff. Um, there's a bunch of different ways to unlock that. And that's something you know, we did a round table on this at BP, I think last year, because we had a, a spate of guys that, you know, we evaluated certain ways as prospects and they turned into big home run hitters in the majors that didn't really have that, uh, that skill set in the minors. And we kind of looked for common trends in them. And what you generally find, and this is going back to like sort of the originators of this idea, or the first guys we really noticed it with guys like Justin Turner, Chris Taylor, you know, guys that unlocked their raw power into game power, and even in some cases added raw power with, with swing changes, is that you know you have to have that sort of natural bat to ball ability, which Trang has. Um, and you have to essentially have a good knowledge of the strike zone, which Terang has. So you got to be able to pick your pitches. Um, you know, what you'll find actually the best example of this, um, is Daniel Murphy, I think, because Daniel Murphy, when he was the, uh, with the Mets would hit like 12 home runs a year, but his 12 home runs would be like 440 feet full side. So it was in there. It's just, how do you t turn that swing and get it into games more? And Murphy, I think he changed hand positions. He moved closer to the plate, and they kind of changed the, the the swing plane a little bit too. And you know, Justin Turner's talked at length about working with with personal hitting coaches. But a lot of teams are trying to unlock this with guys. And the thing is, I'm not saying it will or won't happen with Terang. Is we only hear about it when it works. You never hear about the guy that where they tweak the swing and it doesn't work because we're not writing about it as a prospect because usually the performance hasn't been there. It's looked like a mess or. You know, Matt Carpenter talked about this. They tried to do it with him one year in St. Louis, and it was like his worst season as a professional. So there's there's hidden costs here because we only hear about the Ozzie Albies and the and the Justin Turners and the Jose Ramirez's and those guys. So uh, actually, Andres Jimenez, who was a top 50 prospect for us last year, dropped uh, in some part this year because they tried to make that change with him. He went from kind of a very, very smooth, like toe tap, bat stays in the zone a long time, to very much, it's a big, and you can't, I'm on camera, you can't see, but a big, like, stomp and lift uppercut guy. They tried to get him more raw power pull side, and I've seen him three straight years now. Um, and they got him from 40 raw power to 45 raw power. <laughs> so they got a half grade of raw power, but all of a sudden now, he struggles with better velocity. He struggles with breaking stuff away because you've tweaked that swing. The bat's not in the zone as long, and he's late on stuff. He got a little more comfortable with it in, in fall league, but this is like the kind of thing that could happen. You, know, you could do that with Bryce Terang next year. And I know the Brewers have certainly uh, 
you know, they're a very sort of progressive organization when it comes to player development. They could try to unlock something there. And you might see him go out in Carolina next year and hit, you know, 250 with a little more power. But is that really what you want out of the profile if you think he can be an above average regular? Yeah, I suppose it's all trade-offs. And my hope has been, because like you said, he does have the plus hit tool that eventually he would just sort of grow into the power and just sort of understand what he needed to do with the swing. But that's, you know, kind of hoping and it's a long-term hope as opposed to a short-term sort of hope. So, Yeah, and he's not the type like, there's sometimes we'll say it's like, oh, he's he's skinny and projectable. And, you know, Terang's like wiry. Like he's strong, he's got good wrist, he's got good bat speed, but I don't th- see him as a guy that's really going to really develop like huge raw power where even if the game power plays down it's like a you know like a 45 or a 50 so that's sort of the that might be a limiting factor there as well because these guys like you know these guys like turner ramirez and albies they're all also very short um they're all very if you look they're stout it's like good pound for pound power i don't know if you're actually gonna you're gonna get that out of terrain and again if he's an above average regular that's fine that's a nice player to have um you know you don't is it a top 101 guy obviously we didn't rank him there um our writers that saw him this year said, you know, with another good season next year, he could be a top 101 guy because of the profile. You know, you're going to want to see him hit in high A and double A before you really go all in on it. Uh, moving from Bryce Thring to the number two prospect, uh, Tristan Lutz, as a corner outfielder, what do you see his ceiling as and how much of it's dependent on him fixing his swing mechanics to get that contact of the ball and like actually take advantage of his power? Yeah, so that's one end. We've gone from one end of the spectrum to the other here. Uh, Lutz has huge raw power, uh, good athlete, you know, the sort of prototypical right field profile, you know, plenty of arm for right, obviously. You know, it's it's one of those things where it's like the swing is a little stiff, and that's okay. It's not the end of the world. There are plenty of dudes with that don't like have the great bat whip through the zone that have been good powers hit power hitters for years and years you know he's a guy that very much knows what his game is and it's going to be hitting home runs and he can do the thing that i've seen those kind of minor league power hitters do where he wants to uppercut everything and the back shoulder stops starts dropping and he's and he's vulnerable up in the zone and then you can change levels on him um yeah he was okay in carolina league again not the best place in the world to hit. I think double A next year, so when they send them there, I think they probably will, is going to be the test. And it's always a test for these profiles because you start seeing pitchers, you know, you see pitchers with major league experience and those guys, you know, they're probably throwing like 88 to 91. So they know how to work backwards. They know how to exploit holes in your swing. You know, they are not going to throw you that 2-0 fastball you saw in the Carolina league to get me over stuff. They're like, all right, I know you can't hit my you're sitting fastball, I'll throw you a change up here. It's like a 45 change up, but you're not going to hit it. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what he does there. It's going to be a little bit. He was always kind of seen as a bit of a project. I think even coming out of college, he had a pretty good first pro season in, uh, in short season, but they're always going to be hit tool questions. And this is a profile I don't love personally. Um, it's just... Like, again, it comes down to what really is the upside here? What does he have to do to be a good everyday regular in right field? It's like 270 with 25 home runs. Like, that's that's not easy against major league pitching. And the guys that do that, generally speaking, 
hit better than he's hitting the minors. Now, again, it's a thing where the tools are there and a, and a switch could go and, you know, there could be a swing train change tweak or an approach tweak where it just works. But it's like when I'm sitting there to do a prospect list or, and, you know, figure out an OFP or a role or stuff like that, like what can I reasonably project? Like cause there are, there are going to be outliers that hit their 95th percentile. Um, and like his 95th percentile is like a guy that makes all-star games because he has the, that kind of, you know, plus plus raw power where if it, something does unlock it into games, okay, now he's 270 with 35 home runs. And I was like, oh, dude's hitting home run derby and putting on a show, you know, in, in July in the majors. You know, that's the thing that can happen, but, you know, there's plenty of guys that just like they top out in AAA, they spend some time in the majors. You know, I don't want to say quad A per se. Um, the other problem you run into with this profile is if he's not a starter, what are you doing with him? Right, because it's the field. bad side of the platoon, yeah. right? Yeah. It's the bad side of the platoon. Um, you know, he's pretty much limited to right field. You can put him at first base too, um, I'm sure. And you can have a like that right-handed power hitting bench bat. You know, even with the 26 man and the, you know, the limit on 13 pitchers, you know, a five man bench, you can find a role for that guy. It's just, you still need him to be able to start a few days a week, basically against lefties to really make that work. It just, it's difficult to find a, find a major league floor. Like Bryce Terang, I can find a major league floor for easily because he can play a shortstop, he can play second base, he can probably play third. You could try him in the outfield. You know, he can hit a little bit. He can run a little bit. You know, that guy plays. Again, we're essentially talking about the 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 poor man's Chris Taylor in some ways, but a guy that can play or Enrique Hernandez, something like that, where he can play. You can get him 350 plate appearances at four or five spots. And, you know, he he, he spots you three or four days a week, gives you some positional flexibility, move guys around. It's very, very modern roster construction. It's still a guy that's probably, at least at that point, you know, an average major league hitter or thereabouts. And somebody maybe you can pl- play the platoon advantage to as well. With Lutz, there's just not that, uh, you know, sort of that obvious bench role for him if it doesn't work out. Yeah, it does seem like the the bad side of it. Just there's not there's not a lot of a of a of floor there, like you said. So anyway, moving on. So, to, oh, uh, actually, I have one thing with Lutz mm-hmm. and Terang. They're both younger guys who are challenged at a higher levels. I would say, you know, right. Lutz was 20 at Carolina. Um, Terang is 19 at Wisconsin and Carolina. Even when you look at a guy we'll be talking about later, Feliciano, he's 21 and touching double A. Does it become harder to evaluate those guys when they're consistently being challenged at a place that might be more difficult for their age? It depends. Um, you know, age relative to league, I think is more important for hitters than it is for pitchers generally. Because for pitchers, you can look at the, there's usually reasons why there's a 23 year old in double A or a, 19 year old in double A could be, you know, you know, 19 year old could be incredibly polished, but he'd also be like six foot one and maxed out. You know, a 23 year old might have a Tommy John surgery on his resume somewhere. And that's why he's a little bit behind developmentally, but you can evaluate the stuff and what might be uh, still to come. And pitching is very discreet in a lot of ways too. You're just watching him throw, you know, 80 or 90 pitches and you're seeing him in a bunch of situations that you might sit on a hitter for six games and not really see him, either challenged or you might not really see him good or bad to the point where you can see everything you need to see. Uh, I saw Brendan Rogers for like, you know, I'm, I'm out of Hartford. So I saw Brendan Rogers probably like 30 games over 2017 and 2018. And I never saw him good. 
Actually, I saw I saw one good game, but he was against like a very much like org arm righty that was throwing like eighty eight to ninety, and he was smashing it. And it's just like you can see guys for a week and not see them or not feel confident in really either killing them or or pumping them, just because you don't really see them in the kind of situations where you're like, oh, this is a that was a major league at bat or something like that. You don't always really, you don't always get that. So it does get a little trickier. Then when you throw in age relative league issues, yeah, I mean, Bryce Terang was not seeing college quality spin in high school last year or even really in short season. So he's seeing full season breaking balls for the first time. And like, look, are there a lot of great full season breaking balls? Generally speaking, no. But if you know if you're not even like a big loopy 75 mile an hour curve that can play off 92 mile an hour fastball that kind of lost separation the guy can spot it he can spot it sometimes you know he can bury it sometimes but you still it's still gonna be more consistent than what you've seen if you've never seen that before yeah that's going to be a problem for these guys um you see it especially in the low minors like you'll see guys that look great in batting practice and they swing into games and it's like oh a curveball he's just like he's just front foot or he's flailing and really doesn't know what's going on now you can see that with more reps but and that can improve but then you have to kind of suss out well okay is it he just hasn't seen this before or is it he's not seeing it because that's a different thing if it's pitch recognition versus just you know an experiential thing so that's where it gets tricky all right. Well, that's Jeffrey Pattern Astro from Baseball Resectus. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, you have great insight. You should check out all of his work. Yeah. Anything else you got to plug? Uh, well, the annual is out. You can order it on Amazon or IndieBound, or I think it's in your local bookstore. And our futures guide should be out in the next, should be in the next week or so, I think. So that's all of our prospect lists plus. Uh, some supplemental essays, some dynasty content, and you can get all those in either uh, you know paperback or ebook format. And you know I'm adding those to my collection because I think actually JP Breen uh, quoted me in this year's Brewers thing. So you know, gotta <laughs> build my own ego. All right, thank you very much, Jeffrey. Go enjoy talking about a much better farm system, and we can't say how much we appreciate having you on. Mm-hmm.